Welcome to the Love Positivism podcast. I'm Shireen Oberg and I'm a yoga teacher and author devoted to the path of healing and heart-based living. And I want to help you to step into what you truly are and to your highest potential. On this podcast, I share with you tools and insights to help you move ever forward on your spiritual and healing path. With guests from all over the world, from different wisdom traditions, I wish to create a web of loving energy that permeates the whole world to create more love and peace. You can connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for more guidance and love. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm so happy that you're here and I hope that you're enjoying the end of the year, that things are slowing down, that you can take time for contemplation and rest and just to be with yourself, with those that you love and to really feel gratitude for the year that has gone. So much has happened. I think all of our lives have changed in one or another way and we can really thank our body, our embodiment here on earth for this beautiful experience of both lessons and blessings. And this week's episode is all about my favorite topic, which is Chinese medicine healing and also Qigong. I have a podcast guest, which is Sai Calder. He's really a master in this field. He's been doing this for over 30 years. His uh, partner, which is Beta, and she has been on the podcast before. She's also uh, co-hosted the trauma-informed mindfulness and yoga training that I've done recently that she talked about on her episode. And he's a great teacher and resource for all of these healing practices. He's been studying the body and the energetic systems in the body and health and medicine and spiritual practice for over 30 years and traveled a lot around the world, living in India and now in Bali. So it's a really lifelong practice that he's been doing and creating his own systems called <clears throat> Life Force Dynamics and Life Force Qigong. And he's sharing trainings all around the world with his partner, Beta Lisboa. He has uh, teaching classes both online and physically, and also teaching through the Integral Body Institute in Poland. His studies revolved around learning Qigong, dynamic yoga, yin fascial yoga, meditation, martial arts, functional fascia training, Chinese medicine, inner wisdom, pathworking, and personal coaching. So there's a lot there, and he's going to share on this episode more about Chinese medicine healing, how to work with it, uh, how to utilize Qigong and yoga in our lives. And also we get into the winter season in Chinese medicine, and we are currently in the water element, so we talk about that, and how cold showers can also support our body in this colder time up in the northern hemisphere. So I hope that you enjoy this episode and I also am very excited to have a show partner this episode. It's Dow Labs. I don't know if you remember I had Dr. Eric Karchmer on the episode, the 70th episode uh, and um, he has over 20 years of education in traditional Chinese medicine and has developed Dao Labs, uh, which is a company that creates these beautiful herbal formulas. And he's put so much love and effort into creating this. And they have amazing, easy to use herbal formulas. And he's a respected academic uh, and a practitioner of Chinese medicine. He has designed very beautiful mixes of herbs to bring a balance to the mind and body and spirit. And the purpose and the aim of Tao Labs, Tao, which is comes from Taoism and the way, uh, it's to deliver wellness through the wisdom of Chinese medicine and the healing powers of 
their innovative products. And their products are all quality assured, enticing flavors, sustainable and easy and convenient. And it can feel hard to start working with herbal medicine. It's an ancient practice uh, and maybe not so many resources out there to learn everything by yourself, but these are really great uh, and easy to use products uh, for different uh, imbalances in the body or just to boost the body and energy. And uh, for this season now, which is in the Northern Hemisphere more cold and we have more colds and in Chinese medicine, a cold is a cold attack. It can cause disharmony in the body if we're not protecting the body. And they have developed this three solution bundle that is called Protect and Recover that enhances the body's natural defenses. So for all you listeners, we have uh, just had the opportunity to get a discount code from Dow Labs. I'm very grateful for that. It's Positivism15. So I will share that in the show notes and the link to their website. And you can check these different products out and the bundle. And if you haven't listened to uh, episode 70, you can listen to it to learn a little bit about the history and the benefits of herbal medicine, herbal formulas that can help you balance your body, connect with Mother Earth and to, yeah, just feel how it feels to work with plants. So I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and I'm sending you so much love and New Year blessings. Hi, Sai. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Shireen. Lovely to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so grateful that you're here and we have so much uh, interesting things to talk about today and for you to share what you do. So I always start by asking if you have any uh, daily practice that you want to share with us that, that feels good to you and keeps you grounded and yeah just sharing that absolutely absolutely um one of the most important things i find uh, because we have so many practices especially at this point in history you know we're open to such a diversity and a wealth of practice and information is to take a moment when we first wake up and this is actually an old um, north american indian practice and an old Taoist practice just take a moment just check in so there's not a rigidity of practice coming and this is what I love to do and sometimes I find myself not doing what I had planned to do in adaptation of waking up to find where I am in that moment but generally there's a, a wake-up call of a certain amount of sl slowness to wake up in the morning um, not grabbing the phone first thing um, being with the sounds, with the senses, being with my partner, we spend time co-regulating each other just as we're waking up. And then there seems to be a point naturally around kind of 6.30, 7 o'clock, sometimes earlier, depending on the time of year six, where we get up. Um, warm water is, I would say, the thing that is always constant. So body temperature water because I love that connection of rehydration, uh, nothing cold, nothing warm, not even with the lemon. You know, I used to take the lemon and then um, what happens with the contraction around the astringency of the lemon is quite specific to, um, well, actually reducing the liver chi or, you know, holding the liver chi in place to a certain extent. So warm water. And then um, we wake up with a small amount of superfoods, a little bit of meditation, and then usually with a Qigong practice. And which Qigong practice is coming in the morning, again, depends on uh, where I find myself waking up into. So much appears within that first meditation. Sit down, get into presence, 
just connect with the self, connect with the environment, and then life starts to flow. Um, so it's usually a Qigong practice, um, maybe hour, hour and a half, some stretching, some opening, um, and then connecting in with some um, food, some breakfast. So there's that importancy after cultivating some energy in the morning to, as the old classic Chinese would say, not spoiling your chi. So if we leave it too long, we do too much practice, then we feel in the energetic system that uh, we're, we're kind of spoiling our chi. But it, it actually changes all the time. You know, we've um, just now gone back to the gym because I'm really feeling some resistance training. Even though I'm taking the softness of the Qigong into the resistance training at the gym. So it's, um, there's kind of all, always an adaptation in there. But it was, I would say the key to it all is always just to check in, asking the body, asking the feelings, the emotional body, and checking in with the mental body. And that way we're always in alignment with, with whatever's arising. Mm. That is so beautiful. So many great tips and tools in these different practices. And I really love the thing about like taking the time. It really makes a difference if you take your time in the morning or if you're rushing to do anything, because it really sets the tone for the day. And I think that uh, we're so sensitive in the morning that we can't take too much, like too much information and too much impressions. It's really like a so soft way to come back to this world is to take it easy and yeah, integrate the night. Maybe I also like to like think about the dreams I've had just to see if it's right. any message I need to know. So I really like that. Thank you for sharing that. And it's amazing that you've um, had the practice of Qigong for so long. And I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners, uh, who you are, and also maybe the journey into how you came into all of this work that you've been doing. Because I joined yours and Beta's uh, very beautiful uh, yoga training, which was focused on the trauma-informed yoga and mindfulness and there were so many tools in there like it wasn't only the yoga it was Chinese medicine and so much other things that is so great for these these kind of sensitivities and the nervous system so I would love to hear like your journey maybe you can start by just saying who you are and what you do and then also how you came into this work Yes, I would love to. Thank you for introducing me. So um, my name is Cy Calder. I um, originally arrived here in the UK, in England, uh, in a place called Gainsborough. And um, from my earliest memories, I can always remember experiencing the world as energy patterns. Um, I always felt that a lot of my spiritual practice was coming down to the earth to meet my body on a physical earth level where a lot of people I saw were trying to ascend and experience energy patterns. So I could always feel and see the interaction, interaction between human beings, the very small movements of energy, the fluctuations of energy centers. But of course, um, I always imagined that um, everybody could see that. And that was the world that I was into um, up until, um, of course, we start to define ourselves and then realize uh, the differences as we mature. But um, the first time I actually touched on any energy work was when I was about five years old. So um, I, I met an old judo teacher. Um, so when the Eastern philosophies and arts were just really starting to come over and it was more about the external form because of course in the UK it, was, it wasn't much 
internal spiritual work there weren't really any books there weren't really many people around so at five years old I kind of got to connect with um, the light and the dark the yin and the yang the principles of energy I would say the principles of energy because it was very much a kind of martial based fighting situation but it was actually very young that this masculine body was uh, harmonized by the power of also the feminine body because there was a point I remember when I was very young where I did a competition I think about six years old and there was a girl in front of me at the same size and part of my conditioning as a male was to think okay this is going to be easy one second she was on my back um she had me on my back she pinned me down to the floor and you know the reason why I want to say this is because there's so many levels of understanding which when we take on at such a young age they are the imprints of unfoldment so this was kind of like my earliest catalyst and then Star Wars was uh, I think I was 10 years old when Star Wars came out which again you know small connections of the Eastern philosophies and the energy work starting to come to the surface. But my first big break was when I met a Benedictine monk who was coming out of his monastery and I met him and we just hit it off straight away. He couldn't believe that somebody that was 13 years old was into the level of advanced philosophy and spiritual practice which um, he was into at the time and we would sit for many hours reading uh, Teilhard de Chardin all about the ladder of light and the, the ascension and it, it, I remember it was really profound because at that point I hadn't read any books it was just yes that's it that's what I've been experiencing of course by the time we read 500 books, 100 books on our spiritual quest, we have a very strong cognitive structure. Uh, but I really remember at that point going, wow, yes, not quite the terminology maybe, uh, because people like Teilhard de Chardin were quite Christian based, even though very spiritually evolved. So still kind of holding some of the old patriarchal energy patterns. And then getting this, inkling this feeling this understanding that it wasn't the traditions that i was listening to they were all connected in some way to the source that we're all connected to but they were expressing themselves in a cultural way um, with their own particular religious background so then this led me on because i was living in cornwall at the time i was an artist and surfer um, I met um, a Chinese master, Master Choi. So he was a Taoist that had been um, kicked out of China during the Cultural Revolution. Otherwise, um, he would have been put to death. Ended up in Malaysia. Um, his father stayed in Malaysia. And then he ended up in Cornwall, in the south of England, in this beautiful retreat center. So as a 17-year-old surfer boy, I was meditating with flowers um, we were doing watsu in the pool we were doing laughter workshops spontaneous laughter workshops and really immersing into so many different qualities of energy learning some qigong learning some tai chi and i would say this was the real okay wow this is uh, what I was always really feeling, a connection to direct experience, you know, that direct feeling um, of the body, direct feeling of the energy, and the correlation between what we feel and what we truly intuitively experience. And then words seem to arise from this, as opposed to the other way around of having the words and then trying to look for the experience, because of course we're looking from the mind. Uh, so um, from here, I was in art college and carry on training and studying with Master Choi. Um, and then um, 
after leaving college, I was in Brighton for a while. So I started studying Ashtanga yoga there and other forms of yoga. And um, my friend gave me um, a batik of Shiva. And I would meditate on this batik in Shiva. And the batik would say, come to India, come to India. And in my, how was I, 25, 26, I sold everything uh, with my partner at the time and arrived in India. Uh, my actual plan was to be in India for six months and then go to San Francisco. So having two kind of opposing cultures to really experience uh, the culture of the world. Um, as it was, I ended up staying in India and having over 25 years of going back to India every year. <laughs> and it was, it was really like coming home. I, I would say at the time when I was young, I couldn't have conversations about energy with people. Um, you know, it was even the people that did experience energy didn't really want to talk about it. There was still this old imprint of strangeness and a bit weird, maybe fear of being extradited from their groups. And um, so by the time I actually got to India, it was a real breath of fresh air because there's so much openness to energy work, of course, the chakra systems and the whole of the yoga tradition which was birthed out of India. Yeah, that's amazing. And, mm. and during your time in India, was it to integrate more of the yoga and you were teaching and did you get into, how did you then evolve that into the more Chinese medicine and, and all of that came from, of course, when you were, I guess, when you were in the UK already when you were that young, or how did that come into place for you? So my passion for the energy world, my passion for the Qigong, led me to meet various other teachers, um, teachers like Master Lam, who's in London, who was old Shaolin monk, um, who was amazing, is still an amazing practitioner of energy, spends most of his time healing, um, a really deep and profound traditional healer. And he's actually got one eye, which makes him really look like a character from a movie. Um, but most of his time he spends just as a healer. So I studied with him and his uh, one of his top students. So we would spend a lot of time doing standing practice, cultivating energy, um, understanding where my lower dantian was. And this was the game changer. Um, free floating in the energy world or free floating in our thoughts and our emotions anyway, uh, we require to a certain extent a center. Um, and this is such a profound change in energy. And I remember one day being shown where my lower energy center was, my lower dantian, and having a center changed my whole perspective of everything I did, everything in life. So then once you have your center and you're coming from your own center, of course, then you're finding ourselves more guided through life. So I went from one Qigong teacher to another, um, to study yoga, to study shamanism, uh, to study um, meditation, body work, where we really kind of key into this passion to unfold and evolve. So while I was still in England and while I was living in Brighton, I really had this passion to find as many teachers and as much information as I could. So I was studying yoga, I was studying shamanism, I was studying uh, Qigong, and of course anything else which was um, available at the time. So I had a really diverse upbringing which I feel is part of this connection anyway of um, where we are in this modern time. We're in a kind of renaissance where a lot of the old gurus are falling, a lot of the old patriarchal methods are falling. And I was able to study yoga and Qigong. 
And a lot of the time, Qigong is the foundation of martial arts. So if we actually look on a deeper level of the karma that is held within each of these practices, um, when we are cultivating energy for power and martial arts, there's another vibration. So we're less likely to go into sensitivity and open up Anahata and the heart chakra. So then I was studying yoga, which was more heart-based. And I was feeling, well, the energy world is the energy world, whether we call it Qigong or whether we call it Kundalini or where, whether we call it yoga. But from a heart-based perspective, the world was a profoundly beautiful place. And where some of the teachers I met in Qigong, uh, in a way because of the martial attitude, things were closing down. So then I was able to um, really kind of, without knowing where I was going, have really deep intuitive understandings that it was heart-based. So the energy centers were working, but then able to cultivate the power and presence from Qigong. Because let's say when we have a yoga practice, especially Ashtanga, um, it's on the mat. I'm not really taking much of my Ashtanga into the other 95% of my day. Um, and I would watch Ashtanga teachers, um, how they held their bodies after the practice. Also what they did with their energy. Um, and I also got to talk to them about the pains in their bodies, which when we apply some Qigong methodology, well, Qigong is 24 seven with sleeping energy. We're talking energy, we're communicating this energy. So then it, it seemed to be a natural process um, because there was, I never had any consideration to teach. Uh, it was just a fascination. I was an artist at the time. So it was the energy work, which was fueling the art. And I was a, I was a successful artist. So I was using my practice to create a more connected, efficient, informed lifestyle so i was free because i wasn't kind of really defining myself so what i then took to india was already a blend of qigong and yoga which uh, sometimes some of the ashrams i'd go to in india nobody was in their body a lot of the people were disassociated from very high level shiva meditations um, which with the Qigong, of course, we start rooted energy in the body. We root our energy into the earth, where some of the yoga practices were denying the lower three chakras. We don't look at Muladhara. We don't look at the root because the body is an illusion. We uh, don't look at the emotions because, well, the emotions are kind of illusion. So we're always ascending. So I was able to just intuitively say, okay, this feels much better for me. Planet Earth, my body will start off, but then incorporating Kundalini Yoga and some of the higher level meditations of yoga. And also finding with this old Chinese masters that were in India and of course, Thailand, Malaysia, um, I was coming to Bali. Um, there's a lot of old Chinese masters in Malaysia and Bali. So I got to study with these um, when my visa was out. So I'd do six months in India and then head further east to connect with Chinese teachers to go back to India and then connect with my um, Indian teachers. And I was able to move um, some really interesting energies and some different lessons. So I'd train with my Chinese teacher and then I'd go to India and say, yeah, okay, I, you know, I've been gene, um, energetically training in this form. And one of the Swamis I was working with at the time says, yes, but your teacher is sick. And I know exactly what he meant because if we're training a martial arts, somewhere we're looking for an opponent, even when there isn't one. So we're creating an unbalance. We're creating this conflict internally. 
so then I'd go back to my Chinese teacher and say, yep, I've just come back from India and um, we're having these wonderful conversations and my um, Indian teacher um, says, you're sick. And my Chinese teacher would say, yes, I know, but I can't drop it. Why? Because. So then there were, you know, so it's this beautiful kind of interplay of um, just uh, a deep intuitive discovery of consciousness in a way. That sounds like a big adventure of life. Uh, and you really right. heard the calling and you did that. And uh, yeah, so all of this, uh, these places that you've been and now you are uh, in Bali. And what is your main focus now? Because you, you're part, you were part of the training that I did with Beta that was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. And uh, what is your focus now? And I would also like to get into, maybe a lot of people don't know Qigong as much as they know yoga. Like, what is the, like, where did it come from? And, and how, what is the principles? I think that would be interesting to hear from you. Yes, wonderful. Thank you. Um, this is really the main point of what I'm teaching or what I'm sharing, um, where um, having studied so many different modalities and getting to a point in my own practice where I'm able to experience source, uh, to dissolve past, um, let's say the astral subtle body planes, um, and then be in that source, Akashic realm, um, beyond space and time. So then to come back into a practice coming back into a practice from um, a neutral divine space, which then gives a, a very different perspective than coming in from the other way around and looking to um, attain something. And we are moving into the age of Aquarius from Capricorn. So everything is going to dissolve. The old will break down. So we're just part of this natural universal evolution and part of what i'm trying to do is share um, really what qigong is um, the limitation is needing to put something out there with a word uh, a name but then a lot of people have uh, a connection to that name because they've read books or they've studied with a different teacher or and they say there's something like 3,500 different styles of Qigong from the most unusual bizarre to some very practical. You know, I always know when I have, um, because I've been teaching here in Bali Spirit Festival. So we have some Korean uh, students of Korean masters coming over and doing a standing practice to cultivate some energy. Um, we have some students that as soon as they go into an energetic form, they're releasing the whole body is just spontaneously moving. And then we can see how the master's training the student. And then I speak to those students afterwards and they tell me how amazing their master is and how powerful he is. And, and that this is the practice which has been destined from the master. And so I asked them, but is that what you want to do with your practice? Oh, I don't know. It's all about the master's power. So then expressing, well, the master's going to the source, which is where we're all drawing our energy from. And understanding that this connection to the source, connection to our own power, is coming from this uh, free, individuated, spiritual understanding that we all inherently have. Okay, so when we understand the possibilities, one of the possibilities, let's say of Qigong, is really on a very practical level, um, when we have no residual tensions in the body. So the first thing we do is dissolve our residual tension. Of course, as we understand, um, trauma is tension, held trauma is tension. Um, 
the mind creates tension through neuroplasticity, the way we think, our emotional body holds and creates tension from an external perspective or when we really go into the TCM five elements or the emotional spirits that come from the organs. So when we're dissolving tension, we end up with this fluid fascia body. When we cultivate energy, we can then inflate the tissues, right? Because everything's open. And fascia loves to expand, the joints like to open. So we work with the technology called piezoelectric currents. So between the joints, we have a crystalline formation. So when the joints are open and healthy, we have a healthy diet, which creates healthy crystalline formations. When the joints are open and they move, they create chi, they create prana, they create energy. So to take this understanding that if we dissolve a residual tension, we build the chi body up and the energy in the body, it becomes a technology that we can put into anything. So part of the way that I teach is people expect forms to begin with. So we give forms, but then we dissolve form into the energy world. So then the idea is if you're an artist, if you're a healer, if you're already a yogi, if you're an athlete, if you're a successful business person and you would like to connect with this universal energy stream, understand this technology of Qigong and bring it into your practice, into your life. And I kind of like to look at it in a way of if you were investing into a lifetime business and we saw the perspective of what well, potentially they say that uh, DNA can last for up to 150 years. So potentially we have 150 years in the body. And when we look at some of the old yogis and the, and the Taoist sages, well, they're said to even progress even older than this, up to 240, some of them, because of a healthy Qigong practice. Quiet mind, the right diet, balanced emotions, healthy, free, fluid, almost childlike body because it's soft and open. So if we take that as a practical understanding, um, I seriously damaged my spine when I was 35 doing Ashtanga Yoga in India. So a teacher came in when I was in Kramasna, um, sat on my back and injured number four, number five, um, ripped the sacroiliac tendons. So I went from a very athletic human being to uh, almost invertebrate um, in a split second. I went round to the back of the studio up afterwards and um, literally I walked into the studio where there was um, a healer there, a body worker from the Osho Ashram. She kind of looked at me and went, Stanga, I went, yes. Sacroiliac tendons, lower back. I went, yeah, on the bed. <laughs> like I was another one in a line of people, yogis, spiritual adventurers, let's say, that had hit a wall within their spiritual practice. Um, to a certain extent, I felt it was the old patriarchy coming into um, a spiritual practice, which is also what I'd seen, let's say, in the Shaolin. You know, so many of us, we look at the Shaolin monks and we go, wow, amazing. These super incredible human beings, which they're at the top of the pyramid. When we look underneath the pyramid at the amount of broken human beings that tried to get to that point that also end up getting injured. So I was able then to go into a world where um, the yoga didn't really or what I found at the time, have a methodology, a way of healing um, my situation. I went back to the studio and I was told, carry on doing your practice. 
everything will come. But of course, I couldn't really walk. So then um, Master Lamb's teacher actually had his spine broken in the Cultural Revolution when he was um, put in prison. So I already understood his Qigong methodology for building energy, bringing energy into the bones, into the spine, healing the spine, getting to sit up, cultivating the energy in a sitting position until the energy was flowing through the body, standing, obtaining a very healthy bioenergetic standing position and then walking. But it was like a meditation. It's like I was being given my life back and it really humbled me. It really gave me a, a chance to create this methodology. And it took me 16 years to put Qigong technology into Ashtanga-like flows. And it was actually last year that I went to Poland and taught uh, this part of the methodology where we did some Ashtanga-like flows that were very soft, very light. Everything was buoyant and there was no constriction in the body, not much constriction in people's breath because of the dynamism. And so really this is what I love to share within the Qigong. Everybody is individual. Everybody has different requirements. But what brings us together is being in this universal flow. And how can we create a, a constant lifestyle out of this flow? And one of the benefits of that, and I've worked with some high level businessmen that of course are required to get sensitive, to connect to the universal stream of energy and life and sensitivity to progress within their practice, which for some of them was because they were, let's say mid fifties and the gym just wasn't doing it for them anymore. So then I could see that teaching energy arts at this level was also transforming um, these powerful men who, you know, some of these men were responsible for cutting down large parts of the Amazon. And then of course, all of a sudden we're there connecting into the life force, connecting into tree energy. And you see the realization that um, some of these men had with uh, the energy work and the Qigong. So it's kind of a wave, completely away from the martial side and much more into consciousness activation and health and awareness. It starts to sound a little bit more like yoga. <laughs> mm, that's a beautiful uh, journey and so much discovery that you've done on, on that path to integrate and to live the different paths and to see what how to merge it like the best parts of it as well and i'm also um i'm like a question popped up now because we're really entering here up in the north we're really coming into um i'm thinking about the elements and everything that we're working with in chinese medicine um how important it is to be connected to the seasons but also to like our inner seasons and cycles like you said it's so important we're so different all of us and we come in with we have a certain nature but it's really interesting to hear from you like now that we are so the northern part of the world is going into winter and uh, the water element from your experience what is what are like important practices now both from qigong but also other practices that you find helpful when you're in this element winter time is as we know so much the kidneys um, one of the interesting reflections I find is um, a slight difference in east-west cognitive ideas. That in the west, if we're a fire type, we usually go for a fire practice. Um, so we can see 
and to a certain extent the, in the winter in relation to the kidneys where we kind of have a, a double yin we're coming in uh, the cold is contracting plus the yin of the kidneys which is required to contract when the kidneys become weak there's a, um, a lack of even a drawing down to be able to take the breath in the body so protecting the kidneys keeping the kidneys in a, a harmonized way um, so you know we're in and out of um, artificial environments the whole time you know we have synthetic heating which now for most of us um, isn't even um, a natural fire it's something we turn on and turn off and then we go outside and we have this mantra a lot of the time that um, let's say I'm not happy with the cold uh, so then we kind of bring that contraction even before we enter into that situation and um, there's actually some great uh, breathing techniques and cold shower techniques that work really well where we can change our connection to the cold uh, because I'm naturally from England and I was born with cold trauma I would contract in a hot room if we are talking about going outside in the wet and the cold because it's just part of uh, English society to complain about the rain and to complain about the cold so we already have this mantra that uh, we're going to be cold so we create neuroplasticity by our thoughts and emotions around being cold or automatically contracting so if we contract we're drawing whatever is coming from the outside world into the body so one of the great ways to get over that contraction is to do the three cold showers the first part of the shower is to have a warm shower so the body softens and opens so you know, in a way we can see this as kind of a spiritual practice when the body is closed um prana is not moving chi is not moving when the the body is open and the tissues are open then chi is moving energy is moving so we want to be able to find this state within the cold shower so a warm shower allows us to kind of settle in first cold shower watch what happens to the body watch what happens to the breath so we have our meditation usually holding the breath and contracting the body which means we're actually pulling the cold in to make us get cold so maybe 10-15 seconds 20 seconds we get better at it as um, time progresses second cold shower it's not quite as cold as the first one so we find less contraction um, maybe if we have a mantra we can hold the mantra so we're holding a point which also stops the contraction after the second shower another warm shower and it's the third cold shower which gets really interesting it equalizes out our body temperature so we don't really feel cold but we don't really feel warm at the same time and that's what happens when all the chi all the prana comes to the surface of the skin as opposed to contracting into the body which is where people get cold fingers and cold toes because the body is registering and drawing the heat and the blood flow into the core to keep the body alive but here we're keeping circulation through the fingers and on the periphery of the body which creates its own heat so we're working with um, meditation we're working with being able to create fire and rebalancing the autonomic nervous system very similar to the trauma release situation we're allowing life to carry on flowing so it's a great way to start um, uh, acclimatizing and there's a, yeah i've heard about that a lot hmm. but is it also good for all body types or is there any uh if you ha are predominantly any element in your body that it's it's not ideal for or well the the first warm shower not that i can cover everybody is generally great for anyone so coming into that 
um, cold shower at first. It's also part of a trauma awareness technique where whatever's at the surface agitating us as an energy pattern will attach to the coldness of the shower. So we can also see where our imbalances are. So start with any of these techniques, with any energy techniques. It's the healthy, natural cultivation. This is what I love about the Qigong uh, philosophy. We're in line with the natural flow. So we can't force a flower to bloom. We are here in alignment with nature and we can help cultivate. But as soon as we push, we've gone over that line of equanimity. So allow yourself to go into a cooler shower and just see what happens. So it's always comfortable because if we've lost that connection to presence, then we've lost our connection to our spiritual practice. Where I should have said right at the beginning, there is no Qigong without presence. So we're understanding at the core how our energy is moving. So let's say for somebody that's pregnant or somebody that's trauma sensitive or uh, somebody that's just generally energetically sensitive anyway, start slowly. Watch what happens with the breath. As soon as we hold the breath, prana, chi has stopped moving. So then we're moving in the opposite direction to life. It becomes antibiotic as opposed to biotic. So um, our meditation for all our modalities is very simple and very practical, but we find ourselves in different situations with different qualities, understanding the same method. So I'd say just about anybody can st start this practice. Mm, <laughs> I was, it was kind of a long-winded way to say it. But yeah. No, but it's a great way to uh, explain it. And is there anything else, like any, of course, it's important with the warming foods and things like that, but is there any other specific thing that you have used that you find was good during the cold, like more water element time? Mm -hmm. uh, you touched on the, one of the most important aspects is diet. We can have really wonderful practice, a really wonderful chicken practice. And then we go out, we eat a sugary cake, we eat a lot of cheese, we eat a lot of bread, gluten. And um, there's this wonderful situation called the spleen vampire, where we have all this wonderful fire happening in the spleen and the stomach, which is warming the body. And of course, when we start to look at that area where the stomach is, we've got a connection of the liver, the stomach, we've got the solar plex energy in here. And there's actually a piece of fascia in here, which is thermoreactive, called the minor omentum, which heats the whole area up. One thing that can take away that heat and retard uh, the stomach chi is cheese. Not only that, it then forms mucus and phlegm. What happens to that phlegm? It comes up to the lungs, it sits in the stomach, it retards the whole energy of the system. So here we really look at the old um, yogic practices of keeping the agni, keeping the fire burning. Because when that fire burnings, we're uh, keeping the whole system ignited. So not just the fire of the digestion, but the heat of the body, the heat of the mind, uh, that clarity of, and connection. So diet also fundamental for this time. A good, healthy, energetic practice. Um, abundant chi, where we require energy to do anything. Even to do a practice to create energy requires energy in the first place. So having a healthy practice uh, traditionally, um, we'd practice the water element in the season before winter. So we'd already have an abundance, a storehouse of healthy water energy, healthy kidney energy to go into the winter with. So it would be one season before 
would cultivate the uh, season which was coming up, which of course, now we really start to see how much the modern life has kind of taken us, or a lot of us out of sync of really what's happening um, with our environment in relation to our body's energy. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And maybe lastly, you have something that you're doing right now that you think is important to share what like what what are your current classes and events about if you want to share that before we end the conversation today. Yes, I'd love to. Thank you. I'm just releasing my first module of a four-module um, training, which is um, an incorporation of a lot of energy work, awareness work, the, the Qigong, um, some modalities of yoga, also the yin yoga. Um, so it's kind of my... Um, school which I put together over the last 25 years which I'm now teaching as so this is the kind of the foundation modality and module one is out at the moment so I'm coming into the online world to teach people online as well um, so the first module is here the second module is just about to come out first module covers the foundation so rooting grounding, reducing the residual tension in the body, um, very important energetic connections. So we understand when we are moving from a position of chi or a position of prana, which again is fundamental for our cultivation in the energy world or our spiritual cultivation. Um, Module two, it takes us into the five elements with a lot of five element work, connection into the organ systems, the five spirits, uh, the five shen, um, clearing, understanding. Um, generally, what do I find with a lot of us wonderful human beings is we have an understanding of the outside of the body, maybe an understanding of the muscle, maybe an understanding of the spine, but there's part of us in the middle where the organs are where our cognitive structure our awareness doesn't really meet but by the time you've connected or we've connected with the organ system we've filled that middle area we understand the uh, connection to the emotions the connection to the thought states that come through um, the organ system and the five elements um, and then there's two more modules, which is one which is about strengthening the energy system and strengthening the physical body. And then there's um, module four, which is higher level Qigong practices, where we go into ancestry and um, a lot more internal energy cultivation. So module one is just out now. And I'm also teaching one-to-one -one online for people that would like to do one-to-one -one sessions. Thank you so much for sharing that. That sounds like a beautiful program. And how can people find this? I will, of course, share the links in the show notes as well um, that you want, want to share with the listeners. Yeah. Yes. Uh, can I pass you the links after the uh, podcast? Is that okay? Can yeah, sure. Definitely. After? Yeah. Okay, so thank you so much for sharing today and for yeah bringing all of this to the world it, it was really interesting to listen to your story and i can really highly recommend everyone to check out these modules and also the uh, trauma-informed yoga and mindfulness that i did which was amazing and we have even a podcast about that so i want to thank you so much for being here today again Oh, most welcome. Most welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure to reconnect with you and um, always wonderful to have an opportunity to share with the world our passions and these wonderful tools and these wonderful gifts. So any opportunity mm. is always welcome. So thank you so much for inviting me. And, uh, 
yeah, being mm. able to share. Of course. Thank you so much again. Thank you so much for listening this week. I hope that you got so much inspiration and just tools for your own path and your own healing. I really love Chinese medicine. I studied it for three years and I practice Chinese medicine and acupuncture here in Sweden. I really love the holistic way of viewing the body to work with it on a physical, energetic way with the organs, the elements, with the earth, with nature. And yeah, just benefiting from the knowledge that we are a part of something bigger and we all have the ability to heal and to live our fullest and highest energy and potential. So I really hope that you can take something valuable with you from this. And if you want to check out Dao Labs, you have the links in the show notes for their herbal formulas. So check that out. Let's take a deep inhalation and a long exhalation and have a beautiful end of the year and new year. Thank you.